This is Coming Into Focus, the podcast about all things mental health, and I'm your host, Jay Wick, licensed marriage and family therapist. Hey everyone, today's episode is a continuation of a previous interview with my wonderful fiance, Carly Rowe. In the last recording, we got into some major obstacles Carly has overcome to be where she is today. So I highly recommend you check that one out if you haven't yet. And in this interview, we pick up where we left off on Carly's evolution. Carly discusses working through old narratives and limiting belief systems that caused a lot of self-doubt while entering into her new career. And we talk about some lessons related to delayed gratification. We also get into the details of why Carly made the choice to stop drinking alcohol and why she still hasn't had a sip in over three years. There's even some relationship and sex talk in this one. We cover all the bases, no pun intended. I'm so unbelievably proud of this woman, and I hope you all find her as inspiring as I do. (laughs) (laughs) Auto-tune. It's recording. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to drop your new album? Yeah. All right. We are back for round two. I'm sitting here with the lovely Miss Carly Rowe, a.k.a. Carly Maybe, a.k.a. Carly Rowe Artistry, <laughs> a.k.a. The Positive Hairstylist, a.k.a. Jingus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to continue where we left off. Right. So where we left off, what we were just getting into, I guess the story up to this point, we've been telling your story, how we met, some relationship stuff, all those different things. And we're getting into you going back. uh, you, You had never finished high school. You got your GED. And then basically through the long story all of that we kind of left where you had basically just started beauty school and beauty school you were super excited and then first couple weeks into it it was a bit of a shock going back being in school again sort of old narratives that you had around school were coming up and thinking that you're not smart and that you can't do it and whatever all this general discomfort was starting to come about and so you were kind of like i don't think this is for me and then for the subsequent however many was it like a year how long was beauty school 11 months 11 months i woke you up every morning going it's gonna be a great day today you're gonna get up go to school so yeah maybe that's where we can jump into as far as when you started and kind of when you finally started to get your maybe the training wheels were on and then the training wheels started to come off yeah I, i think the biggest thing was i think we went over i initially felt like, wow, I really, really belong here. This is something so amazing. Um, And then it quickly, I I went back to that old narrative where it was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I can't retain information. Like all these things that I had been telling myself all these years, even though I had just passed the GED, I had just retaught everything. Like I I was breaking through those narratives. It still was in me and um, kind of messing with my head. So thank goodness for you. And And not in... You know, not to toot my own horn because this is about you, right? So, but I did give you a push because prior to some of that stuff, you maybe hadn't been as encouraged around school to push through those things or to challenge yourself as much. And it was just sort of 
now you're butt up against this thing and old patterns were coming out where it's just like, oh, whatever, it's not for me, run away. Totally. And I can just quit and exactly right. run away. And you had said also to, you've shared with me that there was kind of, with your brother, it was kind of always like, you know, James can do everything and James is athletic and James is smart in math and James is this. And then you were kind of like, eh, no, it, don't worry. You just, I'm the creative one. Right. Yeah. I'm very artistic, but not necessarily book smart. And, and that, but that not in a bad way me, or a though. negative way, but that was kind of maybe in a way to try to support you and make you feel better about school Absolutely. or something like, Hey, yeah. don't worry. You can't do math. Right. You're Th the this creative is what you're one. Good at. You yes. don't know. Don't worry about science. You're creative. Right. But then also some of that led to you. Now you're trying to study again and things. And mm -hmm. I'm sure those voices in your head are like, you don't know chemistry. You're not going to be able to do this. Right. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a little bit. And I started realizing, like, I actually really like learning. And I'm a lot more capable than I thought. And I was retaining information really fast, even though I thought I wasn't. I, it, I was proving it like on tests and stuff like that. So I kind of got into the groove of things. But yeah, it took it took quite a little while to be like, oh, God, I'm, I'm not going to run for the hills today. Right. Like, or maybe I'll just quit and turn my car around right now. Like no one will ever know. You just <laughs> go hang out at the beach all day. Just and drive to Arizona and never come <laughs> back. <laughs> um, That's a common fantasy. <laughs> maybe not Arizona, but I just I don't know why it was the first state I thought. Lake Powell. Is that where Lake Powell is? <laughs> uh, no. Anyways, um, well, so yeah. something that I was thinking about too, just a side note, is it's interesting how powerful these narratives are in our lives and these deeply embedded belief uh, systems or whatever that we have, right? So, like all of this stuff that's telling you, I don't study well, I don't retain information well, I'm not a good test taker. And then you would come home after having got an A on a test that you didn't have even time to study for because you were. Working doubles, basically, you were going to the restaurant at night, getting home at like 1130 or 12 some nights, and then you'd get an A on the test and you, but then the next test would come and you'd be like, I just can't do it. I'm not good at that. I don't retain information well. And I'd be like, babe, I think that you retain information a lot better. You keep doing so good on all these tests. So, but that's just kind of to point out, you know, that those things are deep in there. And even when the evidence presents otherwise, it's still this story that you tell about yourself. Totally. You start thinking or I started thinking like, oh, no, that test was just a fluke. Like, right. I'm not going to retain this next information for this next test. So, yeah, they're they're deeply embedded where, whether you realize that or not. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, I started to learn that quick. So I went from, you know, working at the restaurant. Some shifts would start at like 11 o'clock. You know, I was before beauty school, before I met you in a heavy partying phase. You know, I would wake up and say, Oh, do I have to wake up so early and get ready for my shift at like 11 or noon. And then, you know, it felt like it fast forward so quickly into eight hours at school, sometimes nine hours to get extra credit and then changing in my car to go straight to uh, another sometimes eight hour shift at night. Like a 4 p.m. Um, shift when school would get out at like 3.30 or something. Right, and exactly. And you like booking it down the and coast. And there's traffic to Cardiff, you know, literally changing at stoplights, like people looking at me. Yeah. Uh, tears usually are involved too, eating. Um, but it, it just kind of, I felt like it happened really quick, one lifestyle to the next, so to speak. Um, so it's kind of a big wake up call all at once. Yeah. So 
having doing that, I guess the, the timeline of some of this was you got the GED, then you got into school, started school, trying to adjust to school and getting up early and all of this other stuff, sort of trying to rearrange some of these old beliefs that you had about yourself. But at the same time, you were working at a restaurant, the, the same restaurant that we had both worked at. I worked there for 10 years prior to you even working there and you worked there for like nine years, right? Yeah. But never, both of us never at the same time. But so you were still doing that and you're able to actually make a good amount of money, waiting tables and all of that. But it was, I mean, starting, getting up at six in the morning or whatever, mm-hmm. starting school, going to school all day, and then some days not being done with your day until 1130 or 12 at night. Yeah, it was And it then was doing it easy. all over again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I also, in the middle of everything, was kind of stopping drinking. I was, I stopped smoking during all of this. It was, there was a ton of lifestyle changes. Yeah. It's, I mean, so we can go into that for a second. How you, you just kind of casually grazed over <laughs> stopping drinking. I've been in recovery for February will be 10 years. I was That's in amazing. probably seven years before I met you or something like that, mm-hmm. or six years, six and a half. But why, why did you stop drinking and how did that even come about? Initially, it was in support of you, in support of myself, of course. I found out when I was working on my GED, like when I stopped partying as much and going out, like how much I was able to accomplish and how I saw those little snippets, even though I was still drinking when you and I first started dating. When I wasn't, I just noticed my life was completely changing and I was able to do so much. So yeah, that's kind of how it started was halfway just, you know, obviously for myself, um, in support of you, other people I knew that were in recovery too. And it just didn't really feel like it lined up with my values anymore. So, I mean, I kind of have a different recollection of how it started too. And I mean, that not to take away from your accuracy of all of the things that led into it seeming like it was a good idea, but there was the space where Like when we first started dating, you'd have a martini, we'd go out. And I think that I would be like, drink, drink. It doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. Like I, and I, it was a space of me wanting to feel quote unquote normal, I guess. Yeah. So I'd be like, look, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. You were almost encouraging of it in a sense. Which sounds creepy, but. No, but no, I I didn't even think of that. (laughs) You were almost encouraging. Drink up, (laughs) drink up. (laughs) Didn't mean it like that, but continue. No, but it was, I was, I guess, because it was sort of a space of trying to feel like normal. Look, you can live your life still however you want, and I'm not going to adjust it or change it. Right. Just because I'm, you know, in recovery or not drinking doesn't mean you don't have to. Right. And it truly doesn't bother me and didn't bother me. Yeah. Except for, I think one time we had met up, you had been cooking dinner, you probably had some wine or something like that. Then you ended up coming over to my place and I smelled a little bit. And then you were like, no, I haven't been drinking. And I was like, look, I, there's no judgment. I don't care. But the one thing that I just want is that it's not like a secretive thing yeah, or that it's not a thing that if you like that, you feel like you, it's uncomfortable to hang out with me sober or something like that, which mm-hmm. I know that it wasn't, but at that point, and then you got embarrassed and I felt bad that I was like shaming you or something. But most of it, it was just, hey, I just don't want it to be yeah, a secretive, secretive thing. thing. You can be open about it and tell me about it. And I just don't want you to like, drive over here if you're right. drinking, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but then, so then the next day, we went to do a photo shoot and it, we went and shot a surprise engagement. And you came oh, with yeah. me and helped me. And that was the day that you said, 
I think I'm going to try to stop for like 30 days. Yeah. I forgot about all of this. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's true. And you, you know, had never said anything like that's what I should do or anything like that. It was just something that I felt in my gut, like that night before was kind of a wake up call. And then feeling so strongly about you while we were like watching this engagement shoot too, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, what am I doing? Like, this is not lining up with the lifestyle that I could see myself having with this guy. Right. And so, yeah, I I forgot that it, I had said, um, I'm going to try it for 30 days and, and you clearly stated that's not something you have to do, but I really appreciate it. And yeah, it was, we were shooting a surprise engagement in La Jolla in the bluffs. And then I think after getting back in the car, you said, I'm going to try this. And then I was like, I think I felt initially maybe uncomfortable because it's that space of you're changing for me and it Mm -hmm. feels awkward and it puts more of a spotlight on me that I have an issue or something, you know? Right. Um, but then I think I was also comfortable in just being like, okay, if this is your decision, mm-hmm. plus the restaurant atmosphere with what you were doing at the time, anyways, like school and all of that, the restaurant atmosphere that we worked at was a party atmosphere. Oh People gosh. are always drinking, taking shots. Even if you're not getting drunk, your alcohol is there. People are going out on a Tuesday night after with a pocket full of cash totally. and it's just, everyone's partying all the time. So that it was a hard thing. You made that decision. And you were very strict about it in the sense of like, you wouldn't even do little like, we call it like a straw taster, you know, where somebody makes a new drink and you taste it, sip it from the straw. You really tried to be. Yeah, I really stuck with it. Yeah. I think that's one thing that I kind of learned about myself too, is like if I actually, I mean, this sounds super cheesy, but like if I really say I'm going to do something, I I will stick with it a hundred percent. Yeah. You have a little stubbornness in you. Yeah. It's almost like a proving even if it's to myself I like have to be determined to like I don't know follow through with this thing I I got a little stubborn side for sure that's a great it's a determined relentless quality so this is we're talking about three this initial thing at the beginning you're going to do it for 30 days right and I remember too if I could cut in really quick which this was meant a lot to me I think which led me to go past 30 days eventually was you expressed to me that nobody had really done that for you before or even thought about doing that or talked with you about that um, and that that had meant something to you which of course in turn meant something to me and, and made me like oh wow this was a cool decision like maybe I'll stick with this for longer than 30 days after I had hit that point so yeah that was a thing of kind of bonded us reflecting afterwards and thinking about why I tell people oh drink it doesn't bother me and whatever and all of that stuff and then coming to like a conclusion that it's to try to make me feel more comfortable or more normal but then being able to accept this sort of gift that you're giving of like hey I'm going to give up this thing that everyone does that I don't necessarily need to give up I'm still in an environment where everybody's partying whatever and I'm going to try to do this thing sort of in support of you Right. That was huge for me because not not saying that anybody should change their lives. If you don't have a problem with substances, you don't need to change your life. Maybe right. you need to evaluate something or whatever. But I've worked with enough people and I've seen enough stuff working at the treatment center and stuff where family members are sort of it's really always really sad and shocking to me when a person goes into recovery, especially with, with drinking is one thing. Right. But like even at any aspect there and then they're like, yeah, I'm you know, they're five days into recovery and they're like, I was out with my parents today and they were having beers at lunch with me. And it's like your family won't even make an adjustment temporarily. 
I had past relationships where it was brought up all the time. Like, I can't believe you're never going to be able to drink again. We're never going to be able to have a drink together. And I'd be like, fucking deal with it. Right. Like, why do you keep bringing up this thing? One, that's a hurtful thing to me still, because I'm trying to process being in recovery and shame around that and all whatever. But you keep bringing up a thing that I cannot change, but you're sort of passively pushing me to change it or, you know. But also it's this great thing that like you're making a change in your life that you really needed to do to save your life too. I, I, for me personally, I was the complete opposite. That first day, even though we were meeting about photography when we we met at Starbucks, that was one of the things that I found most attractive to you from the get-go was that you didn't drink. Even though I, I was still obviously drinking at that time, it was so attractive to me. Just kind of it so. represented like a potential stability or like yeah, safety or something that this person's so. not going to get drunk and do something stupid. And It was different, too. I had never dated anybody that didn't drink yeah. and, you know, knew a ton of people who had substance abuse problems throughout my life. And, you know, it's hard to watch whether it's friends or whoever. So I just found it really, again, enticing. Yeah. So, so, well, thanks. Yes. I appreciate you doing that. For but now it's three years later, a yeah. little over three years yeah, later. A little over three years for me. And you have kept at it. You haven't had a drink. Not no, one in three no. years. You went from, I'm going to do this for 30 days to sort of getting to the 30 days and then feeling like I could go a little longer and a little longer. And then you just keep pushing it. And it's not to say that you don't want to have a drink like every once in a while you're like oh totally. it'd be nice to have a whiskey right now or something right my friends you know i'll have like a girl's night now and now i'm to finally have been in a place for a while where i'm comfortable going out with other people who are drinking and i don't really think too much about it like of course it initially sounds like oh that'd be kind of nice and then it passes my mind and it's really not a big deal i'm very comfortable with this lifestyle now and my decision and where i'm at and what it's done for me and for us But there was a time where it was super, super hard. Yeah, that first time that we went out to um, one of our friends, mutual friends' birthday. Yeah. And everyone was drinking around you. Oh, my God. And at that that point, yeah, like I'm I kind of found through my process that I used to go out. I'd sit with my friends. I'd stare at all their drinks and just sit there and be like this sucks that I can't drink. And I just look at all that. I'd be like counting their drinks and whatever. And then I learned to just like enjoy the company and build connections and have conversations and all that stuff slipped away. But then the first time that we sort of went out with everybody and all the drinks are around and you were like, I just kept looking at that martini. Oh my gosh, it was so hard. And now I remember what I was going to say. I can go and have girls night with, you know, my old drinking friends and they'll ask me, do you, so you don't ever like, do you ever want to drink? I'm like, oh yeah. Like it's not that it, it's not like I have some like strong craving all the time, but like, of course, like once in a while it sounds initially good. Like it's not like I'm just like, I took a magic. Well, you didn't like erase (laughs) your memory of that. It feels pleasurable to have a drink or that it's fun or whatever. But But what I have now surpasses all of that. So, and you've learned that you're actually like through we have this shared experience and you and I talked about this today I think in the car where I had hit rock bottom essentially and so stopping substance use drinking all of that sort of is it it should be ideally a no-brainer at that point right like I need to do this to save my life so I can't I have no the bridges are burned I can't go back the other way I got to keep going forward yeah you 
don't necessarily have a problem. It wasn't a thing that you needed to stop. So at any point, you could kind of choose to go, I have uh, this experiment's gone on long enough. <laughs> I'd like to have a drink. And and we've talked about it. Totally. And, and I wouldn't stop you. Yeah. You're like, that would be fine if you decided that. Like, I trust you enough that that would be your decision. And yeah. So, yeah. But the thing we were talking about, which is interesting, is just that space of like, you could, it may be, who knows if it's harder or not harder when you just choose to do it on yeah. your own as your own choice for health and for you saw that it helped you be able to get up earlier or be function more throughout the days and focus on your career and all these other things that are beneficial, right? But it wasn't that you needed to. And so it's right. like that space in your brain could easily be more like allow yeah, you to like say- like tempting almost. Yeah. Yeah. It can kind of be a little bit of a, a, not so much now, but you know, once in a while and especially in the beginning, a little bit kind of a mind fuck like I could be doing this thing why am I not oh yeah that's why I'm not like I would go very back and forth mentally like almost kind of thinking to myself like not that I would ever I don't want this to sound wrong like I would ever wish this upon anybody because it's a terrible thing to go through but like it would almost in my head in my experience feel easier to have had a problem and that to be more of a concrete reason of why I stopped yeah. I hope that doesn't sound no, it makes sense. wrong. But well, you can say it to me who had a yeah. se- severe problem right. and it makes more it makes sense. Right. There is still the space where you go even having had a problem, you quickly forget how bad your problem was, right? And so there still is that space to be like, "Really? Do I need to do this yeah. for the rest of my life and what?" But it's easier to go, "Yo, you almost died. Like you right. were in a hospital bed dying." Yeah this should not be a thing in your life. Right. And I've watched so many people who have had that experience too. So it should be a very easy thing for me to come back to. And it is an easy thing to come back to mentally to be like, this is meant for me. This is, you know, alcohol is not, it it was not really going to lead down a great road. It had potential to go down a bad place anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like, this is a lot better choice for me, but. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Phil, that was just a kind of side tangent, but that was an important part to talk about, too, because that has been something that's really benefited our relationship a lot. I think so, too. I think it definitely was something that bonded us and it kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but like kind of showed my commitment to you and to like starting our life that day when we did that photo shoot. It, It was kind of subconsciously my little way of being like, hey, like. I'm going to change some some shit like you seem really worth it. I'm all in. I'm to all bring in. back the, the bachelor. bachelor. Yeah. I'm here for the right reasons. You are here. You were for all I the right reasons. I will accept that rose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it it means so much to me that you being a person in recovery whatever part of recovery process is learning how to deal with the fact that everyone around you is still going to use substances and drink and all of that so you have to come to terms with that and be accountable to yourself but it makes it a very nice thing that we don't have wine and beer and things in the fridge all the time and that you're coming home from work every day and going i need to have a cocktail and de-stress when and we don't go on vacations and spend the entire time drinking and then Sunday's we're hungover. We, yeah, we get up yeah. and we get up and go to the gym on Sunday morning. Today is Sunday. We got up. We went and did an hour long walk on the coast. Then we went to the gym, came home, started doing podcast. I mean, working totally. on projects. Like it's a productive 
motivating lifestyle we've created for ourselves and it feels good to us it's yeah. there's also no um you know during arguments or disagreements there or, there's nothing substance wise that gets in the way of like it like escalates oh, you were the dr- conflict right yeah. like that's a huge change for i'm sure both of us if, compared to past relationships like not having that be an issue yeah it, we're always clear headed and and just, i see it in my work that it's a huge issue for a lot of people right. regardless if they have a substance issue or not it's sort of weird how socially acceptable especially drinking is Absolutely. involved in everything and people don't think twice about day drinking and being wiped for the rest of the day or having totally. to just keep drinking through the day or that everyone is watching football right now it's playoffs and yeah. so everyone started drinking at some point today not everyone but right, right. and you just sort of keep going and then and that's it's just a, a normal thing yeah and like, you're just kind of sick and tired all the time because you're nursing a hangover I yeah do not miss that yeah so i'm super grateful it it works for us and it's nice that i found this lifestyle instead of the old one for sure so, which is a good segue back into your career. You're in school. You're sort of wrapping up with school and all of that. I let you, I used to uh, be your guinea pig and come let you do men's haircuts on me when you had no idea oh, yeah. what you were doing. No, absolutely not. I would yeah. go to work and <laughs> Lauren, my old boss at the time, Carly cut your hair? <laughs> like, Yep. I'm trying to be supportive. You were my first haircut. I still have the paper um, that was like you signing basically like a mini waiver saying that you are, I don't know what it says, but some kind of like mini waiver Yeah, because the you first have, haircut. Yeah. yeah, like little test dummies that come in. <laughs> You're practicing on doll heads and other things. And then it's like you got to bring a live body in for it a pretty test. pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. That I had to do that. But I, I got my haircut there all the time from you, you for a while. Yeah. Now I don't. <laughs> just kidding that's more just timing and things and yeah totally scheduling and i can go get a 30 minute haircut real quick at the barbershop yeah so let's see going so i i did an externship while i was during school my best friend in beauty school and i were i don't know if we were the only ones that qualified for it but we were the only ones that took it so every saturday i would go to school go to theory and then i'd go to my externship um and then go to work so like it was almost like a mini trial run in a salon. Yeah. And I mean, and, so the the place that you got the externship is the place that you currently work as yeah, a stylist. Correct. They actually, during beauty school, when the option of doing an externship was being presented to me, they gave me a list of um, local places, you know, like uh, different little shops that weren't really... Um, mom and pop places, they were kind of like chain haircut shops, right? And I knew that that didn't feel right to me. And so I went to the principal and I asked, hey, are there any requirements where I could pick my own salon to go to? And I researched the heck out of all of North County to find out, here's the requirements of the salon I'm looking for. Ask if they'll accept an externship. Um, So I kind of custom picked this place that I really felt honestly like I wouldn't fit in. I was super nervous went and pushed myself applied there anyways got the externship so just to backtrack a little well, bit yeah, like it was another thing to push through the place is called Jaden presley yep it's my current salon i've been there i'm um, going on three and a half years now and you um, at the time just to add some more detail to the story yeah. the salon is beautiful it's gorgeous it's changed a little bit since you know she's always kind of changing up stuff it's and great, getting new yeah. furniture and whatever but the salon itself is huge it's beautiful 
Great location. Very spacious, right in the village, in Carlsbad Village. Very high-end, luxury but, feel. And that was a thing, though, too, to, to sort of call back to old narratives right. or whatever. You saw the beauty of the salon or that it looked like it was a high-end place. And then that kind of freaked you out and made you like right. you want you were drawn to it. I was you so wanted drawn to be to in it. that place. I fought to go there to even get that externship to be able to. I wanted to be there. Yeah. But I just specifically remember telling you, like, look, look at this place. I I, I wouldn't fit in there. Yeah. I they wouldn't want me there. You know, look the, at me. I have pink hair and tattoos and whatever. And I know that that's uh, kind common of the in norm. the hair set. Yeah. Totally. But like at that time, being such a newbie and not being in any other salon um but and it just sort of comes back to narratives not good enough totally or whatever i you put your own no, but this true. salon is better than me yep and so i'm gonna go just try to find the one chair place or the whatever totally. that, that maybe would accept me and it'd be easier to you'd be a little more comfortable at least yep yeah but i pushed myself after long talks with you and ended up getting hired as an extern and had absolutely no idea what i was doing little direction since it was my first salon and they had already had assistance and busy time. So I, I was just a little extern trying to know when to sweep stations and not get in people's way and, you know, washing the towels, do, cleaning up, totally learning yeah. where stuff is. I mean, it was just so nerve wracking and I had gotten up early to go to school prior to that and then work after. So it was just, it was kind of a whirlwind at that time. So just keeping, I just kept pushing through, even though I still didn't feel good enough. I just managing the discomfort. Yeah, totally. And that was the first time really in my whole life I had really been pushing through that. So it definitely took some getting used to. Yeah. And you, I mean, the one thing that you, I guess my story behind this is you had a work ethic that you brought with you from Los Olas from working in the restaurant, Yeah, which it was different. Not that it, the work ethic's the same, but restaurant is fast paced, never stop moving always doing something absolutely so at least when you went into the externship and you didn't know what the hell you were doing you like were Stay trying busy. to at least stay busy and do stuff whatever totally. but you were also at the same time like wrestling with this space of like i don't think i'm doing it right and i don't think i'm doing yeah. it enough and like if yeah, you're I'm just sweeping to stand like, here and watch and and learn like that's okay to do i'm not speed walking and yeah. carrying stuff like <laughs> right it was a different pace totally for sure. change of environment for sure so yeah, I was doing that. I, I finished up. I kind of fast forward to graduating, I would say. Yeah. And besides that GED certificate that came in the mail and the tears of passing that last math test, this was the first time I had ever graduated anything in my yeah, whole graduated. life. And I you had an actual graduation. Yeah. And so of course come more tears. Right? <laughs> it was, yeah. it was uh, the second most proud thing I had ever done i had felt so proud of myself you accomplished you pushed yeah. through from beginning of wanting to run away and then ended up making it all the way through and got your diploma they they do a little pyramid for you and you yeah. clock out and then you run through it you had your play our music and bright pink hair at the time like <laughs> sequin neon. dress yeah. yeah you were loving it whole family was there all my friends and so uh, near i think a few days um close to the last day of my externship um, the girl that I was, I was assisting the whole salon, but one of the people that from pictures, I was so drawn to at the salon. She also had tattoos. She was doing a lot of fantasy colors. She was kind of the reason that I'm like, oh, maybe I would fit in there. And like, so I, I really looked up to her and started assisting her mostly. Um, she actually pulled me aside 
and asked me, hey, what's your plan after this? And to be honest, my plan was not to do an assistant program because I had had this thing in my head that I was going to be so good at this right off the bat, right? Yeah, you Um, were just going to come out of school. Ideally, in your head, I think you were, I'm going to come out of school. I'm going to go into booth rent. Totally. I'm going to be my own boss and I'm going to crush it. Yeah. And it's just going to be so like, it's going to come so easy. Like I don't need to be doing all this other stuff. So that was obviously a humbling experience because I learned quick. That was not the right route for me. That was not, I needed more practice. I needed more salon time. Um, and then I learned of course, all the other perks that other salons that aren't booth rent have to offer. And anyway, so I chatted with her and, um, she was going into barbering school and needed a assistant to the whole salon but a personal assistant to her while she was doing um like cramming all of her clients into her off days so i made another sacrifice to um, that made my schedule working seven days a week um between still working at the restaurant and then starting this new assistant program oh which by the way i had to go back and get rehired and re-interviewed for that pushed through that got hired Started with her, started with the whole salon, slowly learned. Um, but yeah, another battle was again, I was back to like, well, you're back at square more. one, kind back of back at square too. one, yeah. yeah, learning now a new thing, trying, right. to, and you're you have expectations, people want something out of you totally. And I'm so hard on myself, anyways. So, um, and then just being tired of doing, du- you know, tired from doing doubles and all that, right? Um, but again, I just kept pushing through and being like, look, this is what I have to do right now to get to where I want to be. And I know that this experience has something to offer me. And even though I still didn't feel good enough, I didn't feel maybe like I was in the right spot because I was so scared. I think it just came from a place of fear. Yeah. It's that Um, fight or flight. It's like your brain's just telling you whatever it needs to hear to, to get you out of the threat, you know? Yep. You don't belong here. Oh, you're right. Brain. Yeah. Thanks for letting me know. And when you're in that and you're so exhausted, it's hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I remember just to backtrack a second, speaking of like tired, I remember my best friend, Yessie, um, my best friend in beauty school, uh, she had a son and she was working uh, full time after school as well. And we were, you know, she was really my rock during those school days, besides, of course, family and you. And before theory, we were sitting down. We were so exhausted. We have both done doubles. Her son kept her up that night. Like all this stuff was happening in our in our outside lives. And we were trying to focus on school. And the girl sitting next to us was like this young girl. Yessie and I were, were, I think, two of the oldest in our class from what I remember. And this young girl said, oh, gosh, I'm so tired. I think I got too much sleep last night. I've just been sleeping so much. <laughs> <laughs> and Yessie and I. I will never forget the look that Yessie and I gave each other. We were just like that look of, are you fucking kidding me? Like You got too like, much sleep. You got too much sleep. And here we are like chugging coffee, chugging energy drinks, like just trying to stay afloat. Yeah. So anyways, it was just like a funny memory I had that was just like, wow. Well, we're not all in the same place. Right. Don't say anything. Don't <laughs> Makes it that much more. I don't know, prideful or yeah. much more of an accomplishment when you have put in that level of work. Totally. I, I think um, something that I was thinking about too. So going from, you were still working at the restaurant, but going into this idea that you were going to have to do an assistant program for a year or however long, and you're not yeah. necessarily going onto the floor yet and being your own stylist and boss and making the money, there was this kind of 
idea that you were taking a step back or that you weren't right. good enough. And that when I got out of school, I wasn't just going to start making all this money, you know, like the potential in this career. If you work hard enough, you can start off making quite a bit, build your clientele. You know, it it was it was like the allure of totally. I could go into this and make money. But also, don't you think that the assistant the program it felt kind like a step back. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it kind of also indicated like you're not good enough yet. Totally and so you to need to be. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. And then I would share with you all the time the quote that I found when I was going through grad school, working full time at Trader Joe's, having internships, doing all. But yeah. and I'd be like doing like seven days a week, too, during that time. And we didn't know each other yet at that point. Yeah. But I used to read this quote to myself all the time that said, are you willing to live a few years of your life like most people won't so you can live the rest of your life like most people can't? And I still love that quote so much. It's so great, especially when you're going through something like that, where you're like, I don't want to be doing this. Right. I want to springboard ahead. Totally. But the reality is you have to delay that gratification a little bit, because if you do try to like jump over all the steps to get you or, you know, where you think that you're supposed to be, right. you're going to miss out on all the education. You might not be prepared enough. You might not have. Absolutely. So it's like, are you willing to sacrifice that time? To know that in the long run, you're probably going to come out the other side that much further ahead right. of the people who just went straight in, you know, like somebody just left and they went straight to Fantastic Sam's or whatever. Totally. I'm sure they're getting education there too, but like you got a different level of education absolutely. in the assistant program. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it took me much longer than, you know, say I was going by the norm and saying that most assistant programs last like a year. But since I was doing those doubles to try and obviously still make my bills and still, you know, have everything met, it ended up taking me like a year and a half. So it was like even more like delayed gratification, like pushing myself to like keep pushing through, like keep taking these classes. Like this is a value. This is going to pay off. Like but at the same time, like, fuck, this is taking me so long. I'm seeing my friends, you know, from school and other hairstyles I follow that are doing all these amazing things that I want to be doing. And why isn't that me yet? Right. But obviously, in the long run, it was so beneficial. And I'm so happy that I did that. And I was so lucky to have done it at the salon that I was at because I did get so much education that was. Yeah. I mean, Raquel, higher. the owner. Yeah. I mean, she brings in a lot of education and she does things and she yeah. does a lot of stuff for all you guys. Absolutely. And, I mean, it helped sort of nurture you into totally. Where I you're got at. A lot and you're around the team time. of people that also you guys had classes every Tuesday morning. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for all of that, because if I would have jumped right in, oh, my gosh, the mistakes and the embarrassment, like it just would have probably crushed me yeah because it was still crushing like you were still you're in a place where you're still making mistakes and you're learning things and that was i remember being i mean it's hard for anybody it's hard for me moving into from grad school and then my internship where i sort of was getting all this praise all the time and people were like you're so good and right. and you know and then and that's I go, what i kind of got in beauty school right i got a ton of like cool colors and like i was really good at that and you that were the standout kind of i mean not to a little bit but in a like, way right yeah totally yeah. yes and i both had all the fun colors everyone was jealous of that like they just came to us and we hustled and got people in there that you know weren't just beauty school people so right anyways but yeah i mean that back. so that but that space of getting feeling some mistakes making them but maybe not necessarily 
you're on your own yet or you're in you know you're able to like make them with a safety net sort of and then right. somebody can help correct you and you can call somebody over totally. please yeah. and being able to you know accept those corrections and be like all right you're not the star of the show this is not coming as easy as you thought it would like you have a lot of shit to learn and like just being accepting of that it was hard yeah so and that it kind of brings me to something that I was thinking about because on the last podcast, we also ended talking about our relationship and some of the juicy things that we could talk about and whatever else. But one thing that I was thinking, thinking about is this thing that we've talked about a lot of times where we never necessarily had like the honeymoon phase yeah. in our relationship. And we, because we moved in really quick. Yeah. We moved in like three and a half, four months after yeah, like I mean, very quick. Dating, yeah. And we told the story about that of how right. we, I mean, we moved in because we had been dating and talking and then both of our leases were ending and I was yeah. moving to North County and, you know, maybe you would jump. go to school. So we jumped in, moved in together. We had separate rooms. Yeah, started, you know, started but yeah. school. You started at the treatment center. I mean, it was opposite schedules, never saw each other. There was no honeymoon phase right. in the beginning at all. In the dating space in the beginning, we were... In the same sense, you know, fun. coming over, I mean, having fun, yeah. going over to each other's houses and hanging out, spending the you night, took me whatever. On cute dates, we, I fell for you super fast. I mean, there was emotionally some, yeah, you know, but honeymoon. in the space that people tend to talk about, where it's like this all the time passion and whatever, and everything's right. carefree and whatever. As soon as we moved in, I was in the middle of starting my career, and I was at this space in when you graduate grad school and then you move into what now they they called it an intern before but now it's called an associate mm -hmm. and that's the space where you have to get the 3000 hours oh yeah and yeah you're you're all that is you're getting those hours and documenting them and doing supervision and all these things and then you start studying for that test that's like a 4 or 5 hour test oh my gosh i forgot to get about licensed. that yeah i'm doing that you've just finished school or you're you're still in school, whatever. You're going into school. You're going into your externship, into all of that. Yeah. So we we're basically working on our careers and all these things at the same time, and like two ships passing in the night. Totally, and just barely seeing each other. Stressful. Yeah. Working through emotions and self doubt and all of these crazy things. If we wouldn't have moved in together as quick as we did, and we both started these careers separately and stuff, and had similar schedules to what we had that time, hands down. I don't think that we would have been able to really make a relationship work because we truly did not see each other. Like, thank goodness we lived together so that we could say hi in the morning at 630 in the morning before we went to school and work or whatever yeah. and had the separate bed. So when I came home at midnight from the restaurant and you had to get up, you know, I, I it was getting just, up at like seven the next yeah, day, you know, yeah, it was just pretty ridiculous. You for need a while. time to unwind after being at the restaurant all night running around. Oh my gosh, and yeah. I, I'm like trying to wait for you because I don't want. I felt like I want to see you, but then it's like, I got a shower from a 16 hour midnight. Day, like, I need to get up. Like, yeah. yeah. But that, so in one sense, that was a hard thing. Well, we were just going through the motions and doing it. So it was a rad thing because we're facing all of these challenges together and we're yeah. seeing that we're good at it together. We support each other. Well, we take, uh, you know, one when one person's sort of down, the other person's up, and we're helping yeah. each other through all that. But we also, because of all of the stress, because of the schedules, because of the the 
emotional toll, I guess, associated with making mistakes and being in you're out of your comfort zone every day or seven right because yeah. you're trying something new then there wasn't necessarily as much like carefree passion between us and we're like definitely yeah, yeah. there there really wasn't any time like any downtime that we had or i guess maybe it was more on my side that i had i was so exhausted like i, I we both were right yeah there was no like passion honeymoon like time for just 24 seven love. And I mean, we loved each other, but there was not sitting around eating bonbons and making out every second. Right. Like, <laughs> We're like, can't, you know, it, I was going to elaborate on something else, but, <laughs> but I guess to go on that now and to get a little vulnerable, we, we've gotten engaged. We're planning a wedding, all of that other stuff too. And things have stabilized somewhat. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like we're finally we're like trying to get our honeymoon phase now kind of right. where we're having some different conversations about intimacy and sex. And yeah. we, we had your 30th birthday the other day <laughs> and we went downtown and we went to the hustler sex shop and we're looking around. Totally. At, but like try, some of those things that maybe people do in, in the their beginning. first year, yeah. first six months and all of that. And you're like having all this fun and then you fall into complacency and all that. Right. We've been working on this space for so long and, and not drinking. I mean, that was even a big thing too, oh, intimacy gosh, yeah. wise. Cause it was just kind of like, totally. I was used to drinking and using substances and partying right. in my past relationships. And that led to the inhibitions whatever. are off. You're not yeah, really, whatever. Exactly. The inhibitions are less. Yeah. So facing that being, not drunk the whole time that was yeah something to get used to too and it was really uncomfortable the just the intimacy sober basically kind of yeah because i i was more self-conscious more aware of every little thing that i was uncomfortable with or like body image yeah body image like is this weird the lights are on and you can see everything yeah so that was something to get used to and and another thing to work through yeah sure so i mean which is crazy we just been constantly working through all of these things forever but it's really cool to see that we work through them so well and we'll sit down and have hard Hard conversations conversations. about sex or things and be like hey we need to what do we need to do or let's figure some stuff out not to say that we're like lacking in any area on it but no to to come through that working so hard and just getting comfortable kind of coming home from a long day and chilling and watching TV and then becoming like noticing like, Hey, we're falling into a routine where we just see each other in sweatpants and whatever all the time. Right. And messy like hair. we don't want to just become roommates. Like, but it's cool that, like you said, we can like take those conversations and work through really, really uncomfortable things like yeah. that to talk about. Like it's hard shit to talk about. And that so in the sense of hard shit to talk about too, just while we're on the topic, I think another thing that's led to I mean, a positive aspect of our relationship is we're able to also talk about past relationships, past people that we've hooked up with or had sexual experiences with things like that yeah. without ever getting judgmental upset, or judgmental. Jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Which be I, I guess maybe at the space that we're at where one, we've created such a secure attachment and relationship with each other. Yeah. Two, we've worked through so much stuff personally and together and feeling confident yeah. and all of that, that when it's, when it comes down to it, it's kind of like, yeah, I know you're with me and I'm with you. Totally. And whatever we did before is what it is. And we've both yeah. had weird experiences or great, like whatever it would yeah. be. We've both had partners prior to this. Right. Like I'm aware 
I'm 30, you're almost 40. We have a very mature, secure attachment with each other that I'm so grateful for that we can totally talk openly and get into some nitty gritty shit and like be totally fine after. We're not like jealous yeah. or, you know. Yeah, I mean, even this this morning, you're laughing with your friend and they were like, <laughs> Kayla was making jokes about uh, different dudes' shoes being or so, whatever. But it, I went through a very single lifestyle when I lived yeah. <laughs> downtown and it was fun. And I had, yeah, I was dating different people and there was, you know. Which is funny because at the same time, I was doing the same thing. So totally. we were both like preparing each other for each other. And then yeah. once we're, you know testing out what's out there in the field yeah. and then realizing oh you know what what i have here mm-hmm. um so anyway i just thought as far as relationship i mean i had a past relationship where my partner uh asked me how like demanded tell me how many sexual partners you've had Ugh. and then when i finally as uncomfortable as it was like why do you need to know this what's the importance like what why right. would you benefit from no anything right. but i'll tell you and then i say th- that number whatever and then the partner freaks out oh my god you know and right. it's not like Which, it's an a, a extreme number right but, but it makes you feel uncomfortable that you were vulnerable enough to share that with her and then right have it be some freak out like that's just insane trust issues. And, and but then for you and I to just be able to, I mean, that was the first thing that I really liked too when I was with you is you just felt sort of, you'll say that you didn't think you were that confident or whatever, but I, yeah. I never saw you threatened by other women or never right. perceived me to be having wandering eyes or strain or even if like you're not like whatever, he's going to leave me and go after that person totally. you're just like I, i'm confident who i am and i think too i can appreciate other women's beauty as well and not feel threatened by that because it's different than mine and i'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do but it, it is crazy because in past relationships i was not that way at all so like for you to tell me that i was that you perceived me as confident and not jealous was wild because the people i was dating before you I was looking through phones and accusing and like being very like I I was more the anxious attachment that we were talking about before. So finding that trust with us and like feeling so comfortable with you and like falling for you. It was just a totally different feeling than any of those insecure relationships I had had before. Like just being with you changed who I kind of became. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. It like made me come into my own once I really found the one going back to bachelor the one talk <laughs> so random side conversation we just went down there but anyway yeah. back to all of this you're at Jaden Presley you're working now where you are today working through all of the different stuff you are a stylist on the floor you yeah. I was able to quit Las Olas um, which served me many great things in my life friends learning a lot from there right grateful but I was able to quit there two years ago and that was a scary thing too at the time because the amount of money that you could make in a couple shifts could pay rent or something and then you're going to a steady paycheck again taking a step back right yeah perceived step back right but But it's that initially got to pull the the arrow back before you launch it yeah like that one (laughs) yeah good little metaphor so I mean where you are now you one thing you love, absolutely love, is colors. 
doing yeah. color. Hair color and styling is what made me want to do hair in general. Yeah. Um, fantasy color. Was just what? Lights up my whole life. It is um, any bright like rainbow hair, pink, lavender. It's any unconventional hair color. As you're sitting here with purple hair right now. Yes. And I've had about every single hair color known to man. But um, coming from like such an art background and like having my own painting company years ago and stuff, it feels like when I'm doing fantasy color or anything creative hair color wise, it feels like I'm at home with where I'm really supposed to be in this career. Like it lights up your soul. It lights up my soul and it keeps me going to do all the other little things that I kind of have to do in between, right? Like not saying that I don't enjoy certain haircuts or stuff like that, but hair color is my jam. Right. That's in where you feel the most comfortable. You love it. It's not easy by any means, which is what I was going to bring. So fantasy colors would be like your number one. If you were doing festival hair and all of these bright rainbow all the time and you had enough clients to come in, that would be your jam. You would just do those colors. Absolutely. Just hair color specializing. Um, But in that, you're also, I guess you call yourself like a blonde specialist. You kill it at the blondes, the highlights, the ball, all of those things. I love blonding too. Right. Yeah. And I know about all of these like yeah. terms now because of going through all of school and everything. When somebody, I'll be like, you know, I think you should go for a balayage. And <laughs> you'll, he'll text me, um, little like things like, oh my gosh, you just saw this girl's hair extensions. Like, she really needs to come see you. Or like, this girl's balayage needs to be way blended. Her and money it, piece is her money just piece needs a to little be ridiculous. Yeah, it's just too <laughs> pronounced, like, <laughs> which just makes me like such a proud fiance yeah but i like listen it's it's interesting and that was going to bring me to my point to to bring it all back full circle going back to school coming in with these ideas that you're not smart enough that you're not good enough in science and math and all of these other things and people don't understand how much science and chemistry is involved in color Oh my God. Like all of the stuff, mixing formulas and chemicals and all of these things that you're doing, and then knowing color theory and how colors are going to blend together. All of it's crazy. Right. Knowing how the cuticle is going to open and lift. And I mean, there's a lot of different crazy stuff that goes into it. Yeah. Anatomy is mixed in there. Like you said, math, I mean, a shit ton of chemistry. Um, haircut is, I mean, haircutting is math. It, it is just angles and oh my geometry. Gosh, yeah. I no one told me that going into school. If I would have known that, I would have been, I would have been driving back to Arizona, <laughs> like <laughs> run for the hills, running for. Well, and there's no hills in Arizona. Ironically, uh, I'm so. sure there are. Eh. But yeah, you get the point. It's right. it's a ton of stuff that I had no idea about, but I actually like nerd out heavily on now. Like I love the chemistry behind stuff. I love pushing myself with color theory and bringing it back to like. I think why I love fantasy color too is that it's very different than regular hair color in a sense of like it's very it's very obvious to me but in regular hair color you're dealing with like number systems and stuff so it's it's there's like a formula ahead of time fantasy colors may be a little different right but it, it brings me back to painting like it just feels when you understand it's not a a common sense thing for a lot of people to understand if i do this color with this color, it's going to offset this color and all of right, these different things. And you're working things, with right? the natural pigment and the colors that it's in the hair that you start with. And like, it's not just throwing purple on a head and calling it a day. It's, it's a lot more. Yeah. I didn't theory. realize that before we're 
somebody comes in from a previous stylist or something and they've had uh, different bleach and different things and whatever and there's like actual there's so many different tones to the hair because of what the person has tried to do before and then a person comes to you and is like make me a solid pink and it's uh, and maybe that's not a good example but that's a great example like how you have to go through first bringing it down to all an even whitish color or blondish totally. color so that you can put the pink on evenly but people don't understand that there's so many right and knowing people's color history and, and doing the right consultation and like all, also not over promising that like yeah let's do this and then coming to terms with like oh here's the box color coming out of their hair from seven years ago and frying out like you have to be so careful too yeah um, because of these chemical compounds that can mix together and like be absolute hell. So yeah, there's a lot right. to it. And you're good at it. Well, thank you. I, I mean, mean, I still have a lot to learn. I, I, out of all the subjects, I believe that I am good at hair color. Yes. But yeah. I have a ton to learn still. For sure. And like I any profession will. or any career, everyone's got a ton to Absolutely. learn. But for, for where you are, yeah, I just want to highlight, pun intended, <laughs> that you're good. It comes, it seems to come naturally to you. Everything like this, when there's this many moving pieces, obviously has room for error, but you seem to have people sit in your seat that frequently tell you either one from your personality and just who you are. They just love coming to you and listening to you. Or, I mean, you know, having conversations and you seem like you really care about them and you remember things about their, whatever. Yeah, I do. But you also you frequently come home and tell me, well, you'll be really hard on yourself and you're getting better about that. But you'll be like, I didn't do that good today. And then I'll be, how did the clients or how did your clients respond? Oh, they loved it. They were super happy, but I saw mistakes. But I'm like, but either way, you're still growing. But they, first of all, you, there probably weren't as many mistakes as you saw. Second of all, they were stoked. Then that's all that matters, right? And it's not like, I'm not saying this, like you're just like, able to get away with mistakes with your clients. No, totally. But, but what like, they see, they don't know the little things that you're seeing and the perfectionist piece of it. Totally. And then they'll post on their Instagram about how amazing it was and whatever. And I'm like... Right. And I've been so lucky to have had such loyal clients, like had a couple surgeries recently and oh, yeah. people, you know, my clients, I would refer them to other stylists and stuff in the salon and they are all amazing. Like referred them even to my boss which of course is so amazing and still because of their loyalty they waited months and they didn't go and get their hair done the whole time while I was at the surgery I was shocked yeah I forgot we didn't even we just blew right over the surgeries I forgot about it until now too that was a major event just to recap quickly where you found a two pretty sizable lumps in your left breast yeah and you were telling me about it and I was kind of like it's kind of an ongoing joke that you have a lot of disorders. Totally. Yeah. You, even I'm very hyper aware of anything that's wrong in my body. I get a paper cut and I'm like, it's turning into a disorder, like a little bit well, of hyper. Last night you were telling me you're having back spasms and it's making yeah, you, I'm having very- back spasms and it's making my head go. And you're doing this thing in the bed. And I'm like, oh, you have another disorder? Like you're constantly, I think it's my thyroid. I think it's this. And I have a little bit of that too, but. When you were saying this about the lumps and all of that, and then you went and got checked and you had to get biopsies and then they were like, Hey, we think this is. Yeah. Well, I watched them for a year and they thought it was fibroadenomas, um, benign. The biopsies came back benign, whatever. 
long story short, kept my imaging going. About a year later, I just felt I was still in, in pain and felt so much changes. I knew that they had gotten bigger. So I followed my instinct and went back to my primary. And she was like, you know, they're still benign. Like, this is just something that you're going to have to deal with. But let's send you to a specialist just to make sure. Um, and the specialist. Um, Thankfully, we were able to go to UCSD Medical Center. Oh, they were like amazing. the Komen Breath, Breast Health right. Specialty to get my Center. Normal, yeah. yeah, to get my normal um, checkup. And she said, I see you have a preliminary like uh, appointment with a surgeon. That's exactly where you need to go. And they had given me that appointment when I signed up for the imaging um, for the surgeon just because they said that that was regular routine, right? I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, yeah, I probably but they won't never, need like, pushed it. it. No. So I was in shock. She's like, I think that that's a phyllodes tumor. I had never heard that word in my life. Um, and I was like, no, they said it was fibroadenomas. Like I got them biopsied, like, which was actual hell. Um, and so anyways, long story short, went and met with a surgeon, which um, the phyllodes tumor is like a tumor that's very invasive, can grow very fast, can yeah, take over super rare. 1% of the population so far has it like, and they, uh, have a high ish percentage of being benign totally through, but then they can also have. Uh, malignant yeah yeah like the edges and what there's like a borderline and then there's cancerous and so the only way that they can know completely for sure was got to go into surgery and have to have them taken out and then they yeah then they do a full screen on yes. the whole thing and all the tissue around it and all of that um and i've never had any surgeries before i've been so lucky to not have any health problems um, thus far. And so that was super scary. Yeah. And the biggest fear for you was that they were going to steal your veins. Oh yeah. I'm, I was honestly less, <laughs> I was less concerned that they were going to cut me open for the surgery. Like I just didn't want the IV. I freaking hate needles. I'm covered in tattoos. Like I, I, it's different. But it's different for them sticking an IV up into yes, your vein. Yes, they're going to steal my freaking veins. That's Not it. okay. They stole my veins. Stole my veins. Yeah. But Anyways. so you had to have the surgery. You had one. Had to take four weeks off work. Then they had to do the. Um, why am I blanking on the term? What's the term where we're waiting for the? Uh, oh, the um, test results. The right. Yeah, they had there's to do a term the, for it. Um, I can't remember. Now I'm blanking too. Yeah. But so I had to wait ten days. Um, it was Which already was stressful enough taking four weeks off. I was like, what the heck am I going to do? I didn't save any money for this. Like I didn't prepare. You know, who prepares for something like this? Yeah. Um, but then they came back. I was lucky enough to get great results. They said, these masses are benign, um, not cancerous, but one of them was a phyllodes tumor, and we're going to need to do a second surgery. And if they we don't get all to, the cells. Yeah. They, they didn't want to take a wide margin of um, tissue around it at first um, if they didn't have to. But once they did that testing and found out it was a phyllodes, they needed to take more margins inside to make sure that there was no more cells that could grow into another phyllodes tumor in my breast again. So that was added on another four weeks off work and another you know, surgery, another surgery. Yeah. So Which very grateful, intense. very intense, like all the emotions at once, right? Ultimately super grateful, but kind of like how the hell am I going to take eight and a half weeks off work? Like yeah. when I'm just starting to like truly amp up my clientele, like I've gained some really loyal people, but like who knows? Um, so that was, and that was an experience for you and I, like 
especially during that waiting time, like the not pa- waiting knowing. for the pathology report. Pathology, gosh, yeah. yes, it's driving me nuts. That was so, what I was just thinking so about. This. Just thinking, not like anything that we're necessarily going through is any major difference than a lot of other people that have to go through stressful things and there's Absolutely. so many crazy stressful things that people go through oh yeah but just as a couple to see like how we handled it together and all of that mm-hmm. i remember telling you the other day too of we're in the middle of waiting for the pathology report to come back it seems pretty good that it's going to be benign but there's a chance that they're going to say it's cancerous and then yeah, what are they going to do and, yeah and i remember laughing laying in bed laughing with you and you're singing blue moon you're singing blue yeah I so saw you standing, standing alone. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's what you're singing. I'm dying laughing. We're having so much fun. And then all of a sudden I flash to you getting sick, going through chemo. All Like, you know, what would it be like to have to experience that with the person that you love more than anything in the world? And I know people that have experienced that. And yeah. But it was a scary thing. And then it was a good challenge to be able to go one to put faith that we'll be able to handle whatever we're going to handle like that's kind of a great metaphor for the relationship and the unknown that you're moving together you're moving forward together in and then also to be like i don't want to rob myself of happiness and positivity now when the result could come back and be everything's a-okay so how do you let go of those morbid thoughts that you're having and just continue to be positive and optimistic, you know? Yeah, it was really interesting going through all of that too and seeing how I responded and acted during the whole thing when I am, like we were talking about, such a, you know, what's the word? Hypochondriac. Hypochondriac, yeah. And I'm always like freaking out about the little things and stuff. But then when this big thing, the biggest health problem that I've had ever happens, I was actually really calm and I was more concerned about like you and my mom and like how everybody else was doing where like I kind of was weirdly strong I think through all of it you were just super confident that everything was going to be fine yeah like like, and uncharacteristically there's a lot of other things in life that really stress you out and you can't shake and you don't believe that they're going to be fine Mm -hmm. and this you were so it was the first time too that the roles kind of were reversed where I was keeping to myself a lot of it, but very scared of a negative outcome. And I've had family members die of cancer and all these things. So it was super scary because I've watched it firsthand. And so even though things could be all right, I was still so terrified of what is that outcome. And you were just like, nah, it's fine. It's going to be fine. I know it's going to be fine. That's what you kept saying. I know. And maybe that's what made it fine. You created that space and healed it. If it was anybody else going through it or you going through it, like I would be strong for you, of course, but like I would be a mess deep down, right? But like it was very strange to feel so calm during all of that. I don't know. It was like a weird strength that just kind of came over me and that was like, I I don't know. I couldn't explain it. It was very interesting though. But very empowering, I guess, through all of that and to go through all of it and face even more fears other than just going into this uncomfortable situation that work trying to learn a new thing but you're like now i'm going under the knife i have i'm they're gonna steal my veins it's not funny but just right but right. It, to go in to do that having never had done that before and then for both of us to do it as a couple even though you know you're 30 i'm almost 40 we have the age difference and all that but we're 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 adults yeah 
we always joke around and talk that we feel like we're like kids still and stuff too, you know? So then to go face something like that also felt very adult. Like we're, we're handling it, we're doing it. And I don't want to make light. Yeah. Our, this was a positive outcome that was, we're beyond grateful for it. And it's obviously right. not every outcome is that way. No, and we right? saw that in the appointments and the women that were sitting next to me. And it was, you know, yeah. it was humbling and saddening and all of that. And just going through all of that, my heart pours out to people who didn't get the results that I got. Yeah. And it made me, you know, just even more aware of how awful that would be. So, and very aware too of how strong take, people are. Yeah. But, yeah. and take stuff seriously that if you feel right. something that feels off or your intuition's telling yeah. you hypochondriac or not, man, right. Go for it. Yeah. I knew, I knew deep down, I followed my instincts. Those things kept bothering me. And even though I am freakishly hyper aware of stuff, like I still felt something wrong. I went back, like, don't listen to it. They told me it was benign. I could have, I could have waited and been like, oh, I for sure got those diagnosed benign. Don't go back. Right. But like, just listen to your instincts. Yeah. And thankfully that uh, Dr. Alicia was oh, awesome. She's amazing. She got you yeah. over there. So anyway, we are, I feel like we've covered a lot. We bounced around. Do you feel like yeah. we did a good job telling your story? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's always, you know, little things in between people's lives that you know, we can't share on here, but like just we've gone through so much and pushed through a lot. I think that the big chunks of what I'm comfortable sharing, I think we covered great. Yeah. 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 And the, I mean, the main to like recap from the last podcast and this one too, is this space that you were at where you felt, I mean, you you didn't, hadn't graduated high school and you felt for until you were 25 or 26 years old that you were lacking something and stuck and that you were not good enough and all these other things and then you take the the leap into the unknown and and be vulnerable and try to push yourself to these things and start setting goals for yourself and then it's sort of like the wheels get in motion and you keep going and the person you are now compared to where you used to be still a, a human learning things but it's like i don't know do you feel you have a a different confidence or swagger about you? No, you don't have really. a swagger? I don't think I have a swagger. No, I think I'm kind of awkward, but... Well, definitely. <laughs> no, but the, I mean, I'm growing into more confidence. You know, I still struggle with that. I think everybody at some point does. But yeah, if I wouldn't have gone through all of that stuff and pushed through and seen what I'm ultimately capable of, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at today. And if I hadn't gotten stuck for those 10 years after not graduating and and having that gap of feeling all those really low feelings, I don't think that I would have, if I went to beauty school or, or started something then, I wouldn't have had that relentless drive. Like those hard times of being stuck and feeling all of those negative feelings about myself, like that's what ultimately drove me to got to get out of this place that yeah, I like, like I need to make a change totally. or I'm going to be here for the rest stuck so like, for the rest yeah, of my life. Yeah. It sounds so stupid but like it was just all timing. Like Yeah. It's so true what they say. So. And that's cool too to to see where you are now, where we are now. The last podcast we recorded was November something uh a month prior to that we had just got engaged. Like the yeah. last 3 months of 2019 were got engaged 
something i don't know a bunch of stuff business our our careers were still picking up and growing more then we uh, ended up buying a new car together or leasing yeah. a new car together and not to say like materialistically but it was a symbol again of together we keep working to level up and grow right and we push each other and we're just building this life together and right so and it- so now here we are uh planning a wedding <laughs> which is a, a little uncomfortable chuckle on your part because it yeah. leads to many uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. So maybe that's uh, another topic for another time. Yeah. What we decide to do and how we decide to. Totally. To wrap it up too. And this is going to sound so insanely cheesy, right? But like, I just feel this with every being that I am. Yes, I wasn't 60 going back to school. Like i was still relatively young and stuff, but compared to a lot of my friends, I was older, I was late, all these narratives I had said about myself, like it is never too late to go back and start something or change your life or make one little baby step. Like that baby step turns into something bigger and totally turning your life around. So yeah, hopefully that can inspire somebody else. What do you feel tearful about just that you did that too like it like you're trying you're inspiring people right now too but just to kind of reflect on the fact that you changed your whole life yeah kind of yeah you have a lot i mean we talk about this sometime too and and i'm just continuing to try to paint the picture but your life right now and how we live and what we do we don't live any extravagant life we're not making like crazy amounts of money no but we both live very differently i guess than we've lived for a long time too and we but the cool thing is like we've been doing it together we didn't meet each other when we were in these different phases we both kind of struggled and had these setbacks and all this stuff and then when we found each other we were at this place of springboarding forward yeah and we've been together every step of the way yeah which is cool so then every milestone we hit career-wise or relationship-wise or whatever we're doing it together yeah that the timing with that was super rad i'm super grateful for that we can just completely build kind of this whole life from scratch to each other yeah Um, how do we want to do it what do we want to do yeah it lined up perfect so very grateful for that so the next podcast will be after our elopement yeah yeah, no kidding not to plan a (laughs) wedding and save our money to go on a vacation and be selfish (laughs) instead of throwing a party for totally everyone to watch us yeah (laughs) it's true all right thank you for having me thank you for letting me talk and um sharing my cheesy inspiring that was (laughs) good (laughs) no for real people need to hear that that's huge it doesn't matter what time you start or whatever or the timeline that you're on just because everyone else goes to school right at, at 18 totally half the people i know that went to school and graduated at 22 yeah are in a job that they hate right now absolutely like why take a little time find out what it is you want maybe f- that helps create that purpose yeah. and that drive and then you go after it and you don't look back absolutely i agree all right sayonara sammy see ya time for some final thoughts usually this is the part of the show where after i'm done editing i kind of go through it myself and just add anything that i want to add but right now i have the only time probably that there'll ever be somebody with the final thoughts carly you're sitting here with me hello hello 
So the main thing that we both decided that we need to say in this is we just need to say sorry to the kind people of Arizona if you felt mocked or shamed by us and any of our jokes. Correct. And we want to fact check some of the uh, info here. Carly said Lake Powell is not in Arizona. That is a lie. Well, you might have gone to the part in Utah because a large part of it is, but it's a big ass lake. Um, also, you said that there are no hills in Arizona uh, when we made the joke run for the hills. And there are several hills and mountains in Arizona. And one of which, uh, Humphreys Peak, is 12,633 feet, which is actually only like a couple thousand feet lower than Mount Whitney, which is a big-ass mountain. And they have four ski resorts. So to the wonderful people of Arizona, we salute you, and we are sorry. I'm really going to invest some time into looking farther into geography, maybe travel a little more as well. Maybe I would know. Are you happy with this statement you just made? No. No, I'm not. I'm not happy at all. How do you feel you're doing right now? I don't feel good about it. Mm, Okay. Well, we're going to choose to wrap it up here. Bye-bye.